Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. We're just so thankful today to have our students today and our extra family members and, and people from different churches. Sunrise, I see some of you from Sunrise here and from New Life, and it's good to be together as a family, isn't it? Yeah, so we just praise God for that. And Sherry and I and our family just want to extend our thanks to you too once again. We are just second Thanksgiving with you. So thankful for this congregation. So thankful for the staff, for the leadership, and for all of you who have just made us feel so welcome. And, and we're just thankful for you. We just have so much to be thankful for for this congregation. So uh, as we go into the Word, uh, I just want to say we are thankful for this Word too, aren't we? We are thankful. There's many people around the world yet who do not have the Scriptures in their own native language and uh, maybe have never even heard of the Scriptures yet. There are still people in the world. Can you believe that, kids? There's people in the world that have never heard of the Bible before. And we have so much to be thankful for that we have these words to guide us in the Holy Spirit that, that was sent to, uh, to instruct us as well. So we're going to turn in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now these people, the Thessalonians... They were under persecution. They kind of had thought that Jesus had come back already. And they were really concerned about that. They're like, did we miss it? Have you ever missed a party before? Or missed an appointment? Like, oh, I missed it. They thought they missed it, Jesus' return. And so Paul is writing to them a couple different times. And we get uh, the first letter to the Thessalonians. And he's just given them instructions, and now he gives them final instructions at the end, chapter 5 of First uh, Thessalonians. And this is where we're going to read. Now, I want you to look at verbs as we go through here, okay? Look at these verbs as we go through, and we'll point them out as well. Starting at verse 12. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be always thankful, or be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. This is God's Word. Praise His name. Now, we're going to really focus on verse 13 there. So, or verse 18 there. So, let's read that once again. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, look at all those, those action words in there. First of all, it's to acknowledge, to give credit and thankfulness towards people who do good. Live in peace. Warn people. Encourage. Help. Be patient. Believe the best and look out for the best of others. Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Discern. Hold on to the good. Reject evil. That's quite a list, isn't it? 
That's quite a list, and Paul has given these instructions because in the midst of their concern, their anxiety, their persecution, he wants them to give thanks. And he wants them to have this posture, this positioning of their belief and character and action, that it's, it's wrapped around God and all His goodness and our response to Him then is one of thankfulness and all these other things that, that Paul lists there. He's sanctifying us in, in spite of the hardships and sometimes be in through the hardships, He's sanctifying us into thankfulness. And God is faithful. And so think about that in our lives too, how He shapes our belief, our character, our action to sanctify us sometimes through hard things. And, and sometimes it's hard to give thanks. Sometimes things are happening in our lives and things are happening in the world. We say it's hard to give thanks. And we can stick our head in the sand and pretend like it's not happening. And no, it is happening. We do live in a very chaotic world. But we serve a God who is over that. We serve a God who is so good in the midst of that that we still have reason to give thanks for who He is. And In fact, it becomes a contrast that all the stuff that happens in the world that's bad, now we can be that much more thankful for the things that are good because we see it starkly against the backdrop of evil. And that's what Paul is saying to the people too. To remember and be in this posture so that God can work through you with this sanctification. It's a process. And when things get hard, we need to get thankful. Now there were separatists from the Church of England. And they were persecuted. They were imprisoned. And finally they said, we're going to leave England. And they did, and many of them actually went to the Netherlands. And they were there, and they tried to make it there. And economically, they're at the low end of the totem pole, and they just couldn't make it. And their kids were not integrating into the society well. And so they said, we have to come up with another solution. If we go back to England, we'll be imprisoned because of our faith and because of our belief. And we can't stay here because this isn't good for our kids, and we're just not making it here. And so they said, let's go to the new world. And so they, they decided as a group to rent a couple of ships. And one of them was called, kids, you know what it's called? The Mayflower. And do you know what the second ship is called? The Speedwell. Yeah, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. And all the people got on these ships and they, they came from England. They picked them up in the Netherlands and then they went back to England to get all their supplies and then they, they set off from the coast for the new land. Now, did you know that they were 300 miles out and the speedwell kept on leaking? It was broken. It kept on leaking. And so they had to turn back. 300 miles out, they had to turn back. And then the people in the speedwell had to decide, are we going to stay or are we going to cram into the Mayflower? Now, many of them stayed, but some of them crammed into the Mayflower. And then when they set off, they had already been on the ship for about a month and a half, 45 days. Now, their journey was pretty smooth for the first month or so. They were traveling in in August and, and September. But when they hit October, they started to have storms. And a couple of times they had to pull the sails down, and they just were drifting because if they had the sails up, they would have shipwrecked. And the journey became very difficult. 
And finally, 66 days later, on November 6, 1620, they saw a wonderful sight. What did they see? Land. Ahoy! Land. And they saw Cape Cod. And in November 20 or so, they landed there at Cape Cod. And they started scouting where they were going to be. And they went up and down the coast and finally landed at Plymouth um, a little bit later, December 25th on Christmas Day, 1620. Now, has anybody been to the East Coast before at Christmas time? It's nice and warm. You get your sunglasses and, and, you know, iced tea. And you stand out there like, this is great. No, it was cold, wasn't it? It was bitterly cold. And so they stayed on the ship and then began to build the plantation there at Plymouth. And during that winter, many people got sick. Many people died. And their, their food provisions were very, very short. And it was a very tough winter. In fact, of the 18 wives that were along in the Mayflower, only five survived by springtime. So lots of sickness and death and cold and hunger during that first winter. Springtime came and they started to make new friends. They started to make new friends with uh, the Native Americans. They, they, uh, Native Americans taught them how to plant corn. And they started to grow crops. And then the summer, things started looking up a little bit. And they built their plantation. And then they got into the fall. And what did they celebrate? Thanksgiving. Now let's look at what they went through again. Okay, imprisonment. In England, so they had to leave. Being on a boat for over 100 days, who would want to do that? A little boat. Crammed in. How, how many like to be on storms on the water? Yeah, that doesn't sound very fun either. And then, their, their actual destination was to go to the Hudson River, but they missed it. They were just off a little bit in their navigation, and they came to Cape Cod, so they didn't even make their destination, but then it was what? Really cold, and sickness, and hunger, and death, and yet they were thankful. Does that seem kind of strange? They were thankful. They learned how to be thankful in the midst of persecution, and storm, and death, and sickness, in all kinds of inconvenience. And they were thankful because they were free. They were alive. They had provisions. And they had God. And the contrast sometimes of it's really difficult to be thankful during this time or that time or things in our life. We should be more thankful. And that's what God is saying because of who we have and who we are in Jesus Christ. The contrast When it's hard to be thankful, we should be thankful. When things get tough, be thankful. You know, we live in a different world with different hardships, don't we, than what what the pilgrims lived through. But it's no less severe, is it? We live in a hard world, which is why we need to be beacons of thankfulness. We fight the elements of a fractured culture with fuzzy values. People are lonely and looking for hope. Many people have forgotten the basic tenets of friendship and have lost the measure of what is good. 
Levels of common decency have taken a nosedive. Injustice is on the rise. Greed is left unchecked. And the middle class is disappearing worldwide. No longer able to make a living by putting in an honest day's work. It seems more people are affected by natural disasters in war with displaced people everywhere. Did you know that since 2011, in Syria alone, 11 million people have been displaced? 6.6 of those, 6.6 million of those internally displaced, and 4.8 million displaced among the nations and in Europe. Over 1 million refugees in the last year have flooded the borders of Uganda from South Sudan, looking for safety in a new home. Did you know that refugees and displaced peoples have increased 70% since 2011? 70%. One out of every 122 humans on this earth are displaced. We live in a broken and difficult world. But when we see that and we experience the difficulty too in our lives, give thanks. Give thanks. When things get hard, give thanks. Now, it would be easy for us to either wring our hands with all this chaos and brokenness and and give in to despair. Or, on the other side, ignore this hardship that is in our lives and around the world. To just forget it and eat our pumpkin pie. It's not not there. I'm just going to put blinders on. Instead, the third option is that when things do get hard and we experience this difficulty and we see the difficulty on the news or when we go into those situations, get thankful. When, we, when things get hard, get thankful. When your awareness of the broken world grows as we engage it more, as we get into our community more, some of the places that we went into last night delivering turkeys, it's like, does, do people really live here? Are we in the Dominican Republic? Are we in Haiti? I mean, you you enter into these places and people are making a go of it in the best that they can. But when you step into that kind of brokenness, as you engage it more, and we will as a congregation, be counting your blessings in contrast to that broken world so that the light of your thankfulness can shine in it and through it. There are some people, and I have experienced them all around the world, and you go into these little villages, and these people, these children, can teach us about thankfulness. How is it that they have one little bowl, and they have one meal a day, and they have a big smile on their face, and they start singing, God, I am so thankful. God, I am so thankful. Thank you. You are so good. You are so good. And the rest of us on our team often are looking and thinking, how can this be? Because they are hanging on to this hope that we know and proclaim, but they know and proclaim as well from a different state of despair from our vantage point and brokenness from a society broken point and from an economic standpoint, but they're thankful They've learned that when things get hard, get thankful. The author of Hebrews paints a picture of our thanks being based on the promises of God. Though people have gone through much trouble in believing in that promise. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 11, 
36-40. That some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy, worthy of them. They were wandering in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us they would be made perfect. Be thankful. People have gone before us in much more difficult situations. And it can teach us to be thankful. Many of you have gone through very difficult situations in the last six, seven years with milk prices going down and up, with the drought, with all these different things. You have gone through it. We cannot just stick our head and say, no, no, I'm happy, I'm okay. It's tough. But in the midst of that, I've seen you be thankful. When things get hard, Get thankful. Jesus teaches us and modeled this perfectly as well. Despite the scorn and the shame and this ugly road to the cross He endured, it says in Hebrews 12 too, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, this author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him. Did you see that? For the joy set before Him. Now, I don't know about you, But when I look at what Jesus did, if I was in His shoes, I wouldn't be thinking, that's joy. I'm thankful for that. But the way He saw it, it was a joy to be able to have an opportunity to draw people to Himself, to give that sacrifice because He loves you that much. And He says, that's a joy. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's it's difficult. It's painful. My Father's going to turn His back on me. But... I get to be with my people. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame. It was shameful. He was up there naked. And he's saying, it doesn't matter because my love for the people supersedes any shame. I scorn that shame. And he considered it joy to go through that because he was thankful that his father and he had an opportunity to draw us to him. And then he sat down at the right hand of God. Thankfulness in the midst of hardship equals victory. You have to hang on to that and hang on to God's promises and hang on to the right thing. You can't hang on to what you see or what you feel. You have to hang on to thankfulness. You have to hang on to God's promises. When things get hard, get thankful. You have to hang on to His promises in the midst of hardship. If we're thankful, we have victory. To be full of thanks, full of gratitude, full of grace in the midst of hardship. But hopefully, even before that hardship comes, that we get full of all these things. And it's hard to do in this world when it's hard to give thanks. But God, through His Son Jesus, has given us every reason to be thankful. When things get hard, get thankful. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we thank you that you endured the cross and you scorned it, shame, and, and it was a joy set before you so that you would have that perspective to teach us that in hardship that we get thankful. We thank you that there are many that have gone before us that have demonstrated that as well in the, the midst of hardship and persecution and sickness and death and, and inconvenience, that they were thankful. Lord Jesus, we are so, so blessed. Help us not to stumble over our blessing, but may we get thankful. This congregation is so generous, and, and Lord Jesus, we thank you for their generosity. We thank you that you have been with them through storms in life in this last year. We thank you for family and for friends and for your love for us. And we thank you that it's all centered on your promises that we have to be thankful for you and everything you've done for us. Lord Jesus, we don't want to be anxious for anything. But in everything, and in every situation, good or bad, by prayer and by petition, with thanksgiving, we are presenting our request to you. And so we come before you now with our requests. We come before you now with our thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.